Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show, another in our series on EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System. Uh, talking about how to implement it. Stories today, we're going to talk about stories of people throughout the pandemic through COVID who've changed their business, changed their lives with the EOS. And I've got a fun and exciting guest, the author of the Everyone book. Go to the everyonebook.com, Will Christ. But before we get started, remember this is always brought to you by storycruise.com, the ultimate resource for finding video, videographers, and editors for your business that know strategy. And the number one video you can be using is your client, your customer stories, whether you're running EOS, your your consultant, coach, an agency, video case stories is your number one tool. Just go to storycruise.com slash EOS to learn how to collect them, craft them, and deliver them. All right, Mr. Will Crisp, Crisp, I said Crisp, host of the Pilgrim on the 405 podcast and EOS implementer. Thank you for being on. You bet. This is fun. It's uh, always fun to be on a, on a podcast with somebody who's at least as enthusiastic as I am. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, we were talking a little bit about some of the stories you have. I'm super excited to share those. And at the end, we're going to, you know, towards the end, we're going to start talking marketing tactics because in a marketing show, you're going to tell us how you're using LinkedIn right now. I'm excited to hear that because I'm always excited for a new LinkedIn strategy. But Will, how did you get to becoming an EOS implementer? Let's get into that real quick. Your story. Well, I, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Uh, you know Napa stores, right? For auto parts. Yep. Well, my great uncle, Laura Grindle, started a network of automotive parts stores in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas on the Mexican border back in 1929. And he invited his brothers and his brothers-in-law to come down from Indianapolis. And he gave each of them a store in one of the little towns around. And I watched that family run the Valley Auto Support Supplies in all of those towns. Some of them were very, very successful, got what they want, and others not so much so. So for years, I wondered, what is it that makes the difference? Is it college? Is it experience? What is it? And it was one of my clients. I, I'd been a Sandler trainer for 18 years, working with, with Sandler, you know, with salespeople, sales managers, a lot of fun, but sales is not the whole thing. I mean, if you don't have an organization to support it, you can have sales double, triple, quadruple, and it'll blow out the back end. It'll wreck accounting. It'll create mass confusion in the organization. Well, I said, I want to find out how to solve that problem. And one of my clients that I'd helped quadruple their revenue came back and told me about EOS. And he said, this is what we wanted you to do. In addition to training sales, this is what you can do. I listened to him, picked up the phone, called Gino and said, hey, what's going on? And learned his belief was that the reason people don't get what they want is they haven't been able to strengthen those six key components in, in uh, the business. You know, it's vision, people, data, issues, process, and traction. I heard that, and that was the answer to my question for years. So 
immediately I started implementing EOS and I've been having a ball ever since. And you say you have a ball. Why is that? Why are you having a ball doing it? Because I'm actually seeing people transform. They go from overwork, frustration with people not doing what they said they, they said they would do, not hitting their goals. Their, their, their business owns them. And, and they move from that over this two-year journey that we take with them into what we call the EOS life, which is they're only doing what they love doing. Can you believe that? They're not doing anything that they don't love doing. They're delegating that to people they trust, who people get it, want it, and have the capacity for it. So they're only doing what they love doing. They're only working with people that they really want to work with. They really enjoy working with. They're making a great contribution, not only to their company, but to the world. They're being paid appropriately. And then finally, number five, they have plenty of time to do all those things that they're passionate about, which be family, travel, work with, with agencies to help in social work or, or nonprofits, all of that, those five things. I see them transform from that harried entrepreneur who never really learned how to, to be the best, has a great product, great service, but doesn't have an organization that's supporting him or her, all the way to fulfilling those five key things that we call the EOS life. That's exciting to me to do that over and over again. And it's inevitable when they engage EOS, it's inevitable that those things happen. You know, I, I think that's really what entrepreneurship is about. Right. And I think, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that there's way too many people talking money and growth and scale and not those things in entrepreneurship. Do you feel the same way? Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you the story. When we were talking about in COVID, this is a company that was aiming at being a $75 million company. They were at $50 million. They're going to be a $75 million. They uh, import food from Asia. Their niche is teaching Americans about Asian food. They sold through brokers to restaurants. All right. March the 8th. You can imagine what happened to their business. It just dried up. So we began to work together. Now they had been working at the EOS for about nine months. So they had a strong accountability chart. I helped them do what we call a reverse accountability chart, which is what would happen when your business uh, sees a, a, a downturn. Well, these folks had been struggling really hard to move from that 50 to $75 million uh, a plane. And what they discovered over two months was they still had their $35 million business plan and the accountability chart, all the seats that they had in their organization when they were a $35 million company. They went back to that, only retained the people who were in the right seat and the right people. They followed their core values and they got the position, wanted to do it and had the capacity for it. They got back down to being lean and they discovered that they had forgotten about the work-life balance. What they did was they said to the leadership team, we're going to take off Fridays. We're going to take a you know, leadership team. Other people are going to take a 20% cut. And the owners took a 50% cut. They were going to take no salary, but the leadership team said, no, you have to have at least 50%. So they 
retained, but took a 50% cut. After, uh, you know, uh, uh, six months later, when we met for our quarterly meeting, and I said to them, how's it going? They said, you know, what we have learned is that Friday is really important day to us. <laughs> We're going to keep that Friday because we love being able to do other things. One of the people talked to me about how he and his kids that he had not spent a lot of time with, they were off in the, in the, in the hills around, uh, uh, around Orange County. Uh, he took them fishing. He had great times because he had Fridays free to be with them. The other fellow took that Friday and began working, doubling down on his work with a homeless uh, venture to create housing for homeless folks. They, because of his efforts, got an $18 million grant from the state of California for homelessness in Los Angeles. Wow. It wouldn't have happened if he hadn't taken that responsibility. And what they said was, we are happy at $35 million because we can get a profit. We're all able to work doing the things we love doing. Why do we need to move that fast? That's amazing. And, and, you know, and I bet you their business is probably operating better in a higher realm right now, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. They are, they're delighted with it. And I mean, when you have this level of business, I mean, a lot of people would love to have a $50 million business and, you know, and 75 billion, $75 million, we keep wanting to grow, wanting to grow, wanting to grow. How do you decide when it's time to stop, to make that shift? Like you're talking about what, where is that trigger point that they had that, you know, I mean, obviously you can wait till a pandemic or instead of waiting till the pandemic, how do you identify that? Well, even in the midst of the pandemic, you're, you're going, you have to make a decision about what you want. I think it, 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 I think two things happen for successful entrepreneur. Number one, you get absolutely crystal clear about what you want and when you want it. So you get really clear about that. And then number two, you put your car in gear. Now, one of, one of the people I listen to a lot talks about the, G, the inner GPS. So when you sit in your car and you say, this is where I want to go, you input into the GPS where you want to go. You don't have to figure out how to get there. It's already figured out. It's all the path is already there, but you have to put it in gear. You can't just sit there and watch. You put it in gear, whatever direction you're going to go, what's the GPS going to do? It's going to say, that. oh, you turned left here. Uh, you were supposed to turn right, but you turned left. Oh, here's how you get back to being on track. Or now we have a new way to get there. If you get clear about where, unless you change where you want to go, that GPS is going to get you there eventually. Even if you go around the world, it'll get you there. If you trust your decision-making leadership team, you'll get there. And you decide where you want to go. You want to be $100 million? You want to have a billion dollars under you know, assets under management? Or do you want this? And But you always, always can think about, I don't want to do that at the risk of my family or my health or the quality of life I'm leading. It's, I mean, and that's an important thing too, because we see so many entrepreneurs sacrificing all of that stuff. I'm just fi finishing up the Steve Jobs book and he sacrificed almost all of that for his business. Yeah. Yet, you know, he built a big business, but he can't enjoy it now. And to that point, you know, how do you clarify that vision? I know there's a chapter in your book in that. How, how do you go about clarifying that vision? 
Well, and we have a we have a tool that we use. We have eight questions that we ask called the Vision Traction Organizer. In that, the eight questions are, what are your core values? Uh, what's your core focus? What's your 10-year target or your 30-year target? What's your, what's your marketing strategy? What's your three-year picture that's going to get you to that long-term goal? What's your one-year plan? What's your 90 days? What are the rocks for the next 90 days? And what's your issues list? As we answer those questions, we're setting our inner GPS because we're going to take a look every 90 days about how are we achieving? How are we moving forward? What did we say we're going to do? What did we do? What are we going to do next 90 days? So you get in this 90-day world and you're really... You're really asking your GPS, are we on track to get our one-year goals done? Are we on track to get our three-year goals? Are we still agreeing? That's where we're going 10 years from now. So in that setting that vision, it's, it's not the owner saying this is where we're going. It's the leadership team. And ultimately, that gets rolled out into the whole organization so that 100% of the people know exactly where we're going how we're going to get there. And they're getting feedback on that every quarter, every quarter. This is what we said we would do. This is what we did. This is what we're going to do next time. And I mean, can you tell me, you know, what are the struggles with clarifying that vision? I'm sure you've helped people do that. Where do people have problems with that and how they get over that? Well, number one, sometimes they come into this in the initial sessions where we're talking about core values with somebody else's core values. I mean, Patrick Lencioni has some great books on core values Humble, hungry, smart. You've probably heard that. Talks about the ideal player. A lot of people will come into the organization, into the, the sessions where we're setting their core values and say, oh, our values are hungle, hungry, humble, hungry, smart. Well, those are great values, but are they yours right now? Because we're not looking for an aspirational value. We want to become that. We're not looking for something that everybody has. We're looking for what is what are the what are values for you in your unique organization that makes you delighted to be together, that pulls you together? And, and that's where their struggle, because it's coming up with what are our core values? And sometimes those morph across the, the time because we're looking at them every 90 days. We examine, are these still your core values? Uh, other places where there's issues. You know, once you get down, once you identify what that 10-year target is or that five-year target, once everybody agrees on all of that, the other things become really simple. They begin to fall into place. Because if that's our core, if that's, if that's our 10-year target, what do we need to do in the next three short years to get there? That becomes a GPS question. And how did you see people's targets change? Or did they change? I mean, you saw, you gave one example and through, once you know the pandemic hits, everything changes. How did you see well, your clients change and adapt? Uh, I have one one manufacturing client uh, that came in. They said they were at seventeen million, and in uh, uh, twenty five years, they wanted to they wanted to get to fifty million dollars, uh, forty million dollars. They came back six months later, said, "No, we can't blow right through that. We want to get to fifty million dollars." So that was exciting because they agreed on that as a group. It wasn't the owner. 
saying this is where we're going as a team they said we can get there that was the one piece that changed other places that change getting clearer about what our sweet spot our core focus is that's an important piece and then of course our 90 day rocks change every 90 days so there's a lot of change there and movement around sometimes they'll they'll discover that their uh, one year goals along the way they decide they're not relevant anymore so that's a change that happens. But we, we don't want people to change everything because it's not working. We want them to own it, that they weren't able to predict what's coming. And that's part of it. And so with COVID here, they got to be able to predict what are we going to do with the next pandemic that comes? What are we going to do with the next disaster that comes? How are we going to handle that? And I've been really pleased to see that the companies I'm working with, that because they are working so closely with their employees, they've had very minimal occurrences of COVID in their organization. That's interesting. That is interesting. And why do you think that is? Well, when you, when you take decision-making and move it from one or two people at the top, and you begin moving that down to where the information actually is, people, everyone in the organization can begin to make decisions about how will we best go about protecting each other from COVID. It's not a set of rules that, that come down from the top. It's generated by the organization because they're all meeting weekly in what we call L10 meetings. And half of that meeting is spent solving problems. And one of those problems was how do we protect each other from COVID? Because it's not just me, it's the team. Because if the team at our, in our department if some of us get COVID, the rest of us are certainly vulnerable to getting it. We're also, we're not going to be able to hit our goals, which means the company's not going to be able to hit their goals. So how do we take care of each other? And they became very clear about things they could do based upon what they knew and their experience at that level. They made changes and they held each other accountable for it. And that's crucial too. I mean, uh, you know, I know with business and with marketing, if, if, they, if it comes from the top down, then other people won't believe in it, will they? No, because we, we naturally react against top-down. That, that's part of the human nature. And it's not just buy-in. It's not, here's my, here's my project, here's my plan, here's my program. Now my job is to get you to buy into my program. That's not going to work any better. What we need to do is help find people who are who get what that job is at whatever level it is, they're bouncing out of bed because they want to do that job and they have the God-given capacity, capability to do it. Then trust them, give them the encouragement, the support, and give them the power to make decisions about their environment, what's going on with them, and then roll that up instead of rolling it down. So important. So, I mean, that's crucial. It's a tough thing to do, but you talked about level 10 meetings and in case someone doesn't know mm -hmm. how that works, can you explain a little bit more about how those work and the keys, sure. you know, and, and I, I also how to, you know, because they're not easy, as easy as it sounds to implement. What are the keys to implementing a great level 10 meeting? Well, let me tell you about why we do it. I mean, the book, the book is everyone on the same page. Right. right. Everyone on the same page will get you what you want from your business. So how do you get everybody on the same page? Well, everybody has to help write that page. That's what we do in the beginning is when we're working on building those core values, discovering what our core focus is. Now, when we get down to the level 10 meeting, what we want to do is we get a meeting pulse, just like a heartbeat. 
so that every week the leadership team, the top, is meeting every week, same day, same time, starts on time, ends on time. What a concept, huh? And <laughs> has the same agenda. What that agenda is, you start off with, tell us, everybody goes around and tells one good thing personally that happened to them in the last week and one good professional thing. So you start the business, the meeting off on a positive note. And you're also sharing with each other and becoming more vulnerable each time, which builds the trust. Five minutes to do that. The next five minutes is let's look at our scorecard. How, what are the five to 15 things that we determined we want to look at every week because everybody in the organization ultimately will have at least one measurable. And at the leadership team, we have these five, or 50, five to 15 numbers. What's the goal that we wanted to hit? Who's responsible for it? And did we hit it? If we didn't hit it, that can become an issue that we're going to deal with later on in the meeting. Five minutes just looking at that scorecard. What are our rocks? Now, those rocks were 90-day priorities. Are we on target? Because everybody has responsibility for at least one, generally three to seven rocks. And are we on target to hit each of those? We want 80% of those rocks to be 100% done by the end of our 90-day period. So are we on target? And if we're not on target, that can become an issue that moves down to the issues list that we're going to deal with it later in the meeting. So we start off with this conversation about where we are, what we did, take a look at the scorecard, look at our rocks. We have a review of our rocks progress. And then we, we ask, are our employees happy? Are our customers happy? So we just want to have some headlines about where we are so that we, we, if we have an unhappy customer, we can deal with it. Then we want to inject a little bit of accountability. The to-do list from last week, what did we say? What did you say you'd get done this week based upon some of our conversations last week in our meeting? Did it get done? We want to get to the place where 90% of those to-dos are to done every week. That builds accountability from the very basic foundation of the company. Then generally have in this 90-minute meeting, we have about 60 minutes left to IDS. So we have an issues list, and we don't start from the top and go down because sometimes the most important ones are buried, buried deeper in. So we pick out one, two, three. What are the three most important things that we have to deal with this week? Pick it out. Then we have a very specific uh, a system for how we're going to deal with that issue. It's called IDS identify, discuss, and solve. So before we even begin to try to solve, you know how most times people get together, they have a problem, they just start talking and they'll discuss, discuss, discuss the heck out of it until time is up and, so, and usually walk away without solving anything. Or if they've solved it, they've solved a superficial symptom rather than the real problem. So our, our discipline that we're learning how to do is Dig, 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 dig down to get to the real problem. So when we solve it, the whole problem goes away. So we don't move forward until everybody around the table agrees this is the real problem. So we've identified the real problem. Then we go on to discuss it. Now, this is where we can get dangerous because if you mention a solution, and we're really looking for as many solutions as we can find, if you mention a solution, you may not talk about it again. Because if you do, you're politicking. You're trying to convince somebody that you're, you've got the right answer, they don't, you're better, you're more powerful, you're stronger, your ways, we don't do that. 
we simply get all the solutions on the table that we can. When the conversation becomes redundant because we've run out of solutions, then we go on to solve it, which means we pick one and we pick one and then somebody takes responsibility for implementing it. Not three people, not two people, but one person takes responsibility for implementing that solution. We go on, take number two, we call that solved when we, when we get to the end of that, that, uh, that three-step process. We go on to number two, number three, sometimes we, we get six issues done, sometimes three, sometimes only one, but we solve them forever. We take five minutes before the end of the meeting, before that at 85 minutes into the meeting, we stop, we do three things. We go back and review the to-do list. Everybody make sure that they understand what they said they would do before the next meeting, seven days. We ask, is there anything we decided here that needs to be cascaded to the rest of the organization? And then we rate the meeting, one to 10. 10 being great meeting. We followed the agenda. Everybody paid attention. Nobody was, was uh, being distracted by looking at their email or, or listening to something else. So when we were really helping each other. And we want everybody to get those meetings to be a 10. That's why we call it an L10 meeting. That happens every week for first for the leadership team. And as they get it down, then they begin to roll these foundational tools out to the rest of the organization so that ultimately everybody in the organization is in an L10 meeting every week. My name is Gino Wickman. I decided that I want to start to put great video content out to the world. And so the goal was one great video every week. And, and so I was introduced to Ian and, and that's what brought me into this video world and got me embracing this video world and having a great strategy around putting videos out to the world because there's so much more than just shooting a video. And so the way that he positions those videos, optimizes those videos, he's done a great job. How long do you find it takes to run those uh, before you get that up and running well? For the whole organization or for the leadership team? Leadership team. Leadership team gets it in about three months. And, um, you know, when uh, when everyone else runs this, you know, let's say we're running it for marketing and you're running level 10 meeting for your marketing. Um, how how does that work? You know, it, because it's it's now it's not leadership. It's, it's a lot of different things. Who do you have on in the marketing department? Do you have everything, everyone on in the marketing department for a level 10 meeting? Well, in our first, first meeting, the very first meeting, with the client, which is an offsite meeting, seven hours, could be six, could be eight. We create an accountability chart. And in that accountability chart, now we, you know, we start off with understanding every organization we see has about three different things they do. Sales and marketing, operations, and finance. Sales and marketing, obvious. Marketing finds the, the potential uh, prospects. Sales closes the deal. The, we have whatever process we're doing service or product we're creating that's the that's the operations and then finance all the back room to support all the operations of the company watch how the money comes in where it goes out we create that that chart that accountability chart and maybe marketing gets split off from sales and then underneath that we have a structure first no people what structure will help us accomplish the vision of the company what do we need in that marketing department 
tell me the seats that need to be there. And then once we have that structure, then we begin to put in, we put in five roles for each of those seats. That tells me exactly what that seat is supposed to produce. Only then do we begin to ask who will fit in that seat, who gets it, who wants it, and who has the capacity to do it. That's who goes into that seat. When you have those put together, then that, that's the source of your L10 meeting for that marketing group. And they take on the task that the leadership team says, this is where we're going. The marketing department de decides what do we need to do to help us get to where we want to go. And it's not just the marketing lead who tells you what you're doing. It's the whole team. Is that helpful? That is helpful. That is helpful. And so now we've segued nicely into marketing. And tell me, you're using LinkedIn. How are you using LinkedIn right now in your marketing? You said you've got some, you know, you've got 11,000 connections, which is amazing. How are you maximizing your use of those? So, so, you know, two months ago, I was thinking, geez, in COVID, I'm not able to stumble across these people in networking meetings. I'm not having lunch with folks that are leading me on to other conversations. All my things are sitting here in my, my study at home, and that's where I'm doing my sessions and my podcasts. How am I meeting, how am I meeting people? So I began, you know, it occurred to me that those 11,000 people in my LinkedIn, every one of them got there the same way. They either asked me to talk with them or I asked them to talk with me. It blew my mind. There's 11,000 people who are knocking on my door one way or the other. So I went back and looked at all of the people who had communicated with me in the last 90 days. Most of them said, do you have time? Could you have a conversation? So I put together just a short message that simply said, hey, Ian, I've been really, really slow at getting back on my LinkedIn responses. Uh, you know, a conversation with you would be awesome. If you'd like to talk, you can connect with me by picking out a time at www.calendly.com forward slash Will Christ. I'd love to have a conversation with you. And I just started sending those out 15, 20 a day. And do you know what happened? Yeah, a lot of conversations. My calendar, my calendar filled up. I have my requisite five conversations every day. And it's amazing, just absolutely amazing what I'm discovering. Some of them are great. Some of them are high. It's fine. It's we're doing a, I just got off a conversation before the podcast with a, a fellow in Houston that I'd known many years ago. You know, there's not a lot of business we're going to do back and forth, but it was just nice to have the conversation with him and just reaffirm how much we enjoyed each other 10 years ago, the last time we talked. But others are saying, yeah, you know, we could do a webinar together. I could share my contacts with you. You could share your contacts with me and we can help find. It's amazing. That's what I'm doing. And it's working for me. Fantastic. And it's great. It's simple. It's you're not you're not trying to sell anyone anything. You're just having conversations. And, but now, and remember, you know, for me, I only need, you know, five, seven more clients and I'll be at 20. And that's. That for me is what preserves my only doing what I love doing, which is EOS, doing it with people I love doing it with because I'm pretty picky about who I take on as clients. I am making a contribution because all of these companies that I'm working with are succeeding in great ways. I'm being paid appropriately and 
I got plenty of time to do other things that I want to do. So I don't need a thousand clients or a hundred or 50. It's just 20. And they stick around for about two years. So that's what's working for me. That's amazing. That's, well, you make- plus, plus I wrote the book. What I can do is I, I ask people if they'd like to see a copy of the book and I either mail them a book or I discovered since I'm an author, all I have to pay for is, I mean, I can go up to, to Amazon and they'll mail the book out. They'll take care of the postage. And then I get 75% of the fee back to me. So I can ship it for, it doesn't cost a whole lot. But I wrote the book in about two weeks. I had a great coach, Steve Gordon from Tallahassee, Florida, gave me a system for writing it. Wrote 10,000 words in two weeks. And in one week after it, one week after I finished, it was up on Amazon. And anybody can go up to theeveryonebook.com and download a free copy. Fantastic. And we will check that out. I was reading over a little bit. It's great. It's an easy read, but great stories in there. Um, uh-huh. and, and tell me a little bit about your podcast. Oh, podcast. <laughs> 12 years ago. Now, uh, 12 years ago, there was this little thing called the uh, 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 you know, economic frustration. And at that time, I was a Sandler trainer, and I could call up any CEO and, and, and get them to talk about their sales for their sales team, right? Oh yeah, they're horrible. We need to do this and do this. And I could sell them and, and they would get a great ROI on what they paid for sales training because it always worked. Sandler's a great system. Well, when uh, in 2008, when uh, the economy went bust and cash became king, all of a sudden, no one wanted to talk to this train killer. Call him up, uh, Will Chris, Sandler training. Well, I don't want to talk to you. Well, you know, have you ever thought about the ROI? I don't want to talk about ROI. I know that you'll convince me that it's going to be great ROI, but I'll have to get rid of my cash to do it. (laughs) And I'm not spending any money. So please do not call me again. My business, it was over in my way of thinking. Nobody wants to talk to me. Well, I met a good friend that I was, had a speaking engagement at the Tech Biz here in Orange County. And uh, one of my good friends, Rick Franzi, came to me and said, how you doing? Told him my dilemma. He said, you know, I just, I just started this, this uh, radio show on OC Talk Radio, and you might want to talk to Paul Roberts. So the next day, called Paul Roberts and discovered that I could have a radio show for 500 bucks a month. He would do all the production, and that allowed me to do this. My phone call was, hi, Ian. This is Will Chris. You probably never heard of me, but I do a weekly radio show. And, you know, I interview business uh, leaders in Orange County, and I've been told that you have great stories to tell. How would you feel about being on my radio show? There's a pause. Then they would say, how much does it cost? Oh, I, no, it's just no cost. This is our contribution. You and me contributing back to the business leadership here in Orange County. It's, it's a great way to help, help everybody know that we're going to be okay. Oh, really? Well, what do I do? Well, let me tell you. What you do is you invite me into your conference room and we spend about an hour. You get to know me. I get to know you. You tell me all about your business and you know what you want to be doing. Then we'll pick out a Wednesday afternoon for our show. And back then it was, it was not Zoom. It was telephone. And we'll go on the telephone and we'll do the show. It'll be about an hour. And then a couple of weeks later, I'll come back to you and I'll bring you, a, you know, the recording of the show, which you can use any way you want in your marketing. And then I'll find out if there's anything to do to help you, right? Yeah. So what do you call those three 
meetings. Powerful. <laughs> a sales call. This was a sales call. I got over $200,000 of business just from that process. Wow. That's and amazing. that's how that 12 years ago. So I've just been doing my pilgrim on the 405, wandering around, talking to anybody who wanted to talk for 12 years. I got about 250 shows up on the up on uh, on Podbean right now. Nice. Nice. And what else have you learned running your podcast? What's the, the biggest surprise to you running your podcast? Uh, biggest surprise is, is what astounding things are going on in the world. I mean, I've got PR people now introducing me to folks who are starting businesses, who are changing their business, who are doing wonderful things. I mean, it's just amazing what's going on in the world. And what kind of value these people can bring to business owners, especially in, in the area that I'm in, in California. Love it. And, 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 you know, once we got to Zoom, we're doing it now. I mean, my, my uh, Paul Roberts will, is, you know, uh, channels it on, on YouTube and uh, as well as being live. And then we, you know, also put it on Podbean and it sits there for folks. So lots of great things that I'm discovering. Fantastic. Awesome. How about you? What are you finding about the radio show? I mean, I'm 300 episodes in and I, I just love connecting with great people like yourself and always learn something and get excited and reinvigorated. And, you know, and it's such a great way to learn about other people and what they're doing and what's working and, and also help other people at the same time, like you said. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I love doing it. Love it. Love it. And it, and you know, like it's it, the best part is meeting people all around the world, like yourself. That you know, we maybe we'd run into each other somewhere, but probably not. And I could spend some time talking to you, learning your story. And right. there's so many great stories out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Will, best way to get in touch with you is go to willchris.com. W W I L L C R I S T dot com. Yeah, the the you know my my uh, email address is very very difficult, right? It's Will Christ, and here's the difficult part willchris.com all right willchris at willchris.com the everyonebook.com which i love that name that's so memorable yeah. and yeah. uh you can go download it check it out on on there and uh obviously become one of your eleven thousand friends on on linkedin <laughs> absolutely yeah, absolutely awesome well will thank you so much for being on the garlic marketing show thank you for the opportunity it's been a lot of fun to get to know you and uh, a lot of fun to be with you on the show and yes, thank you. Thank you. And, and make sure to check out Will, read his book, you know, whether you're running EOS or not, I think it's a fantastic thing to learn. And thank you all for listening to Will and I, this has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video, you know, it'll make you an authority. You know, it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you 
that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. <laughs>